Go Tenant, the revolutionary new property software built by landlords and trusted by tenants. Go Tenants is your one-stop property management assistant that will take the pain away from your tenant recruitment process and the management of your properties. From advertising your property to maintenance reporting, electronic signatures to full property management software. Stop worrying about double bookings and the hassle of unnecessary admin because Go Tenants is here to enable you to seamlessly run your portfolio from anywhere in the world. Go to gotenants.co.uk to find out more. Good morning, everyone. And we're back on with Cup of Tea with Rick Jean. We've got a really special guest today. Now, um, I'm hoping the internet's going to hold up today because sometimes on these broadcasts, the internet sort of kind of lets us down. And I don't want that to happen today. Now, I've got a little story before I introduce our guest. And I know you can see him because he's here anyway. Now, before I started investing in HMOs, I was a police officer, as many of you know. And I remember sitting in my squad car and I was having my ref break. And my wife sent me um, all this information over and said, look, you know, we need to go and start investing in HMOs. And here's some information. So I clicked on it on my phone. I think I had like an iPhone 3 or whatever it was at the time. And I opened it up and it was a PDF document by Mr. Jim Halliburton talking about how you can invest in HMOs. And I was reading this intently. Now, when we talk about how bizarre things, you know, and life just happens and life changes, and now here we are with Jim on the show, and it's just very weird how life kind of pans out. So I've had to move a little bit because um, the internet connection in the other office isn't quite as strong. And you know what? Sometimes we're on these live broadcasts, this kind of stuff does happen. So, Jim, I've got loads of questions for you. I'm sure we're going to get loads of questions from the audience. Um, so let's let's go back and sort of take you right back to the start. Where, where did it all start with you? You've got a massive portfolio. You're very well known in the industry. How did it all happen? Where did it all begin? It all started back in 91. Uh, well, it started in probably uh, 71. Uh, but uh, the first time I bought property was uh, in 91. Uh, I was a college lecturer. And the co it was so easy, I, if I look at it in those days, in as much as the college uh, was desperate for students, uh, I had always wanted to get into property. It's just something within me. I don't know why. I just love property. The idea of owning property, renting it out, uh, appeals. Uh, probably because I'm innately lazy and I'm very much of the uh, approach, if you sell once, paid forever. Yeah. Uh, a philosophy I wish I'd adopted in uh, other spheres of life. And the great advantage is buy one HMO, set it up, provided you look after it, which doesn't take too much effort, uh, you're paid forever and you get capital appreciation on the property. So it's a bit of a no-brainer to me, uh, except the strange thing I find about it all, uh, and you probably had the same, Rick, uh, when you tell people what you're doing, uh, they all laughed at me. I was in a college, I worked in a management college, and virtually everyone I came across thought I was a complete dickhead to go out and buy property. And where was the demand for students? They didn't see it. They hadn't got any vision to realize that back in 91, you didn't have all these student pods and all these big uh, high rises. No one predicted the massive increase in students. It was, oh, you're running a, a student accommodation. Will the college carry on? Uh, what are you doing that for? Uh, ha, ha, ha. Uh, mm. And that's the problem. You'll still get it today. People will say what you're doing is wrong. 
So, Jim, uh, when you, talk, you, you, you talk about you were, you were a college lecturer, so was that your in? Because, um, you know, you were kind of involved in that environment already. Is that Was that a really good sort of stepping stone for you? It certainly was because uh, I'd already made an audience. Uh, I was shown what to do by the college accommodation officer. Unlike right. today, when you've got people like yourself, Rick, going out and helping people to start up in their own uh, business, there was no one there to tell you what to do. They didn't even know what the word HMO meant in those days. The council didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> in some way, that was an advantage. Uh, I just had the college officer come along who, in the space of less than five minutes, went around the property and said, this is what you've got to do. Now, let's go for lunch. And that was the uh, <laughs> sum total of my training on how to be an HMO landlord. And today it takes you probably 10 minutes, does it? 20? I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, I don't know. I mean, in terms of the size of your portfolio, I mean, you've got a massive portfolio now. You've got a, you know, you've got a very, very big business and it's continued to grow. How different managing that portfolio, you know, now because of the legislation is it compared to, you know, sort of 20, 25 years ago when you first started? Ooh, I don't know. The first thing I should say, Rick, is, I don't admire myself for having so many properties. I would not set myself as a uh, model to say, go out and get, I've got, I think the last count, 164 HMOs. Don't wow. do that. You only need about five or 10 and yeah. manage it yourself. Because once you get over about certainly 50 HMOs, you've got to man manage staff. So I rarely, I'm hands-on with my HMOs. Uh, it's all to do with staff, and staff is something no one ever wants to say, but it's the biggest frustration uh, in life. They're good, they're bad, they mean well, they mean bad. It's, it is a completely different market. Keep it to, your, to unless you know how to manage staff, keep it to about uh, 5, 10, maybe 20 HMOs, Yes, you'll have to employ a cleaner. Yes, you need to employ a part-time plumber, decorator, but keep your fingers on it. I think I, the problem was I've been in the business too long, mm. and it's after about 10 years, I got tired of looking after my tenants. So I thought it would be a great idea to um, have other people do it. Uh, I, but I still get out and uh, have engaged with tenants now and then, and I enjoy it. But then I'm very much orientated to the point of view of I'm not the boss. I'm not the landlord. I'm there to help the tenants. I believe we should be off service to our tenants. And they've got a problem. It's my problem. And I will try and solve it. And luckily, and that's where the satisfaction comes. I'm pretty good at it. I generally can, which is rather nice. Uh, I'm a bit sort of like the fairy godmother. You've got a problem. Yeah. I'll come you, and solve it. You give the, like, your tenants your phone number. Can they contact Jim if they need to contact you? Every one of my 1,064 tenants has my telephone number. That's uh, very, you, must, you must, like, you must sleep. No, I, I don't, they don't contact me. They all have this view that I'm too busy. Uh, <laughs> I even have JVs, and they go and talk to Rachel. I, I don't understand why they want to talk to Rachel. She's the JV manager, and she's much nicer than me. But they talk to her, and they've got a burning problem. And then I get to talk to them. I say, well, why don't you have a chat with me? You don't. <laughs> Don't believe people want to bother you as much as you think they do. A thousand and sixty-four tenants. Yes, That's a lot of tenants, Jim. Yeah. How do you get so big? Now you mentioned earlier, you know, you do advice to to future investors. Maybe just have a small amount of HMOs. How how did it all grow? I mean, what happened? 
Well, it's, <laughs> um, I get bored and I wake up one morning. There's no great plan. There's no great uh, strategy. People say to me, where's your plan? What's your exit plan? All the rest of it. I'm going to exit plan. Uh, I've got no strategy. I just wake up and I decide to buy a property. It's as uh, clever and as thought out as that. Uh, unfortunately, if I see a good deal, I take it. And in, luckily in my area, there is, oh, there's Daria. And, oh, that's Rachel. Rachel, say hello. Um, I'm with uh, Rick Gannon. Uh, Rachel looks after my JVs. As you can imagine, she's, people would much rather deal with uh, Rachel than me. So if you have any problems or inquiries about JVs, have a chat uh, with Rachel. Uh, I just do it. It's Can I be a bit crude, uh, Rick? You do. Like, I hope there's no children watching. Yeah. Um, property is a bit like sex. All the fun is in the orgasm, which is buying a property. Uh, the rest of it's sort of aftercare. Uh, it's the production. Uh, the deal. The deal excites me, Looking and I like doing a deal. After the children afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have your children. Yeah, you have an HMO, uh, which lasts you for life. They don't leave home. Uh, and the great advantage, as opposed to children, is they don't cost you money. They make you money. Yeah. So, no. Well, maybe some children can make money as well. If you, if you teach them all the skills that we've got. So back in the day, Jim, when you started, you know, now we've got loads of strategies out there, haven't we? And, you know, we both run courses and we teach people how to invest because there is some great yields to be had in property. And that's never going to change. You know, property is always going to be a great place to park your money. Um, so in terms of like, you know, rent to rent and lease options and exchange with delayed completions and all of the great, wonderful things that, that people use at the moment to acquire property, were those around when you started or were they sort of like, well, you know, no one's ever done that before? They were around at that time, but we didn't re recognize them. Uh, when I went to uh, my solicitor and said, and I did, I did uh, delay completions, uh, uh, lease options before they had a name. Uh, and I was told, again, by the so-called experts, solicitors, um, management consultants, you can't do that. And I said, I do. The bloke's just handed me the keys. I'll give him a quid. I'm going to buy it sometime in the future. In the meantime, I can turn it into an HMO. And in those days, you go, you could turn it into an HMO, go along to the lender, uh, and they would give you the all the value in the property. So the property was worth, say, 300000 as an HMO. They lend you 210. If you're bu buying the property for 100K, you could cash out 110000 I mean, I'll tell mm. you what, isn't that a multiple orgasm? They've got a choke now. <laughs> Sorry, there's the cat. I beg your pardon. Um, yeah, I just you have to stop using that word while I'm drinking a cup of coffee. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, well, there you are. You've got a property that's making money for the rest of your life, and you cashed out 110 grand. Uh, it, it just to me seemed a bit of a no brainer. But I took too much notice because I'm a bit sort of um, people think I'm very brave. I'm not. I'm sh shit scared or my own shadow. Uh, and I was doing these things. And I was trying to get approval from other people. And you go to the solicitor and say, well, very dodgy. Oh, sounds like money laundering. Uh, yeah. Business consultants going, oh, don't know about that. There's got to be something, a law against that. Uh, there isn't. Uh, and now people have got over that. And they realize that there, uh, there is no law against these things. Yeah. Uh, and it depends on your area. There's a time for things. Some things work well at particular times and areas. I what area are you in, Rick? 
So um, predominantly, I'm in Worcestershire. We've got property pretty much all over the place, but our main portfolio is in Worcester. Yeah, I'm not sure about Worcester. See, in the West Midlands, there's a lot of commercial properties. Half the West Midlands is, is redundant commercial property. So it's easy to pick up. And uh, while well, if you're probably in Chelsea, uh, there's nothing redundant and everything's horrendously expensive. Yeah. So it doesn't work uh, in particular areas. And also it takes unbelievable uh, attitude to risk. Uh, you, uh, One of the things I didn't realise is people... When you do a deal, go, well, will that work? And I don't know. In, mm. in, you're in an act of faith. Um, and that's what held me back in the early days. If I knew what I knew now and put me back in 91, I'd have, I don't know whether I'd have, I'd have thousands of properties by now. Yeah, because, likewise. Uh, you, 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 but you, it's the fear that holds you back. Yeah. Uh, you're that's normal in any industry. And certainly, you know, you and I see it and everybody else that's in the training arena will see that. And we get a lot of, we call it the what if, you know, the what yeah. if scenario. What if, and you mentioned, you know, you're always looking for approval, um, yeah. well, certainly back then. And that's yeah. normal, isn't it? You know, you're looking for approval, firstly, from your loved ones, I think, your family, your spouse. And we get a lot of, well, what if my family don't understand it? What if my family think I'm crazy? What if the world falls down, et cetera? And we get an awful lot of that. Um, and I think now there's a lot more people around to be able to help people with that mindset but certainly back when you started Jim what was your driver were you doing this on your own yeah I my wife left me she what held me back I would have started back in uh the 80s and the 70s uh but I, I was I got married in the 80s and my wife didn't want me to do it so after I bought my first property in 91 she walked out the door uh so I didn't get any approval from there. You don't get approval in this business. Mm -hmm. it, uh, well, I haven't had anyone give any particular approval as far as I can recollect, or I must have missed it. Uh, or maybe I, I crave too much of it uh, to realize all you got was hassle. Uh, and in particular, I find it amazing that the councils were so anti. There I am providing low cost, flexible housing. I've been given absolute crap by the council who are telling me I'm a rip off landlord. And even now, the publicity that's going on about, say, room sizes, which particularly annoys me. Uh, and the justification for making the minimum size of a room is 6.51 square meters. If you read the uh, stuff as I do, I'm very sad like that, where mm -hmm. the, uh, the government um, guidance, the sole reason for it is to stop landlords making a profit by stuffing people into properties. Nothing about health and safety, nothing about uh, the psychological well-being of the tenants. It's purely stop people making money, not well, who's going to provide low-cost, affordable housing? How, where are these people who can't afford housing or don't want to spend their money on housing supposed to live? Mm. If you're going to provide larger rooms and better standards, you're going to have to charge more for it. Absolutely. And There's only one so, person that's going to suffer. The tenant's going to suffer. But yeah. no one's out there shouting about it. You read The Guardian, oh, that's a good thing. Why? There's no evidence to show that a room size has anything psychologically bad on the tenant physically or psychologically has no effect there's no evidence of that mm. so what is the justification apart from we don't want landlords making money but it's okay if you do it as serviced accommodation or the new uh, buzzword co-living you can stick people in uh, things the size of it josh has called you has he something okay. happened there no sorry it's one of the stuff on the phone 
Okay. Um, uh, Co-living or uh, service accommodation, you can stick people in the size of a coffin. Uh, it's okay if you do that and call it a hostel. Where's the logic okay. in it all? Hmm. Anyway, I'm having a rant. No, it's Calm good because it's good because you know what we're living in the industry. This is what we do. This is our livelihood, and we are out there to help tenants. Now, whilst we're on the legislation subject, then so um, I'm, not, I'm not aware of how you know um, how intricate your council used to be. So you, you, you I'm going to go right back because you gave us quite a lot there. So you said that initially your council were giving you a hard time. You know they were sort of all over you. Is that ever changed, Jim? Is that something now that they've got used to? They know that you are providing all this accommodation for so many people in the local area. Are they still on your back? It varies tremendously. Uh, I after a period, I sort of realised it's no point kicking against the. Uh, this is a biblical quotation, so you're okay with me in saying it. <laughs> Kicking against the pricks. Uh, it comes from um, uh, Paul's uh, book of Paul. Uh, is it, yeah, uh, anyway, you, 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 you just accept what they're doing. And when I started working with the council, in other words, I did, as I was told, be a good boy. They were generally okay. Uh, however, it tends to be individuals in the council who take a dislike to you. Uh, it, you think the council works as a cohesive group and there is a policy. There isn't. Someone just becomes in charge of a particular department, takes a dislike to you and they're out to get you. Uh, and unfortunately, th th that happens occasionally. Mm. Uh, so now I've got to be because I'm so big, I've got to be uh, overcautious. Yeah. I'm a sort of tall poppy syndrome. So I've got checks and double checks and triple checks. I now employ an ex-council uh, housing standards officer to check my properties. I wouldn't say everyone who runs an HMO should go out and do that. Uh, but I've got to do that because I've had them trying to come up with situations, trying to uh, get me. And uh, I'm not sounding paranoid about it, but all you need is to fall down once. So it's a bit like having a policeman following you all the time when you're driving and they are out to get you and driving a motor car is much more regulated than hmos mm. uh 31 miles an hour you're committing an offense something wrong with your car wiper blades don't work that's where the issues can arise so yes it can be but generally overall the council um are, are okay as long as you follow yeah. their what they want I mean, you made a valid point there. And it is, you know, a lot of this, you know, the Housing Act is the Housing Act. We've got the immunity standards. We've got HHSRS. But a lot of the stuff that's not covered around that is based on opinion. And if you have a housing officer that leaves, then all of a sudden what was right last year isn't necessarily going to be right this year. And we've experienced a lot of this. So let me give you a couple of them, our examples, Jim. Mm. So we've had recently, um, we've come into our five-year relicensing. And what we had five years ago was absolutely fine. And since then, this particular element of the Housing Act hasn't changed. The makeup of the property hasn't changed. The house is still a six-bedroom HMO. And what was um, okay five years ago is no longer okay. So the kitchen sizes, for example, are discretionary. And as you know, it's about usable space. But unfortunately now, because we've got new staff within the housing department, they are now saying that the kitchens are too small. So you have a choice, don't you? You can either push back and you can challenge. You may win, you may not, but you've got to you've got to kind of protect that working relationship as well to a degree because you know that you've got to safeguard your business. It's a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? 
It is. Um, and I reckon billions are wasted, mainly because landlords jump before they're pushed. Uh, with the license, I'm glad you mentioned that. People approach me and say, what should I do? What should I do? And I said, don't. Don't do anything. Just wait until they tell you. There's 51 things at the last count I came up with what the council could require you to do. I've just uh, had to license because, you know, the licensing changed in, on the 1st yeah. of October. Yeah. I've I had to you, license. So you, so you're going through all of your licensing yeah. packs. I, I can't remember. It's, uh, Rachel, how many did we license? Didn't oh, you have 60-odd, six, didn't you? It's about 60, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. probably around, I think, 50 or 60. We've had them already inspecting the properties. Yeah. And I got my staff saying, but you haven't got that. Because I've trained them well. And they say, yes, I know uh, what you're supposed to do. They miss most of it. They only pick up 10%. Mm. So you just do it. Uh, I was like, what's that? Really good. I'm on it. And I had the council agent inspect all mine. Yeah. Oh, it's the questions yeah. come up. Do we'll nothing. Come up. Yeah, we'll, work. We'll yes. up. We'll do Let them tell you what you've got to do. Do it if it doesn't cost you very much. Or don't be frightened to push back. But it's only worth pushing back if it's going to cost you. If mm. they're saying, put another kitchen in, that could cost a lot of money. But yeah. you can get around it by saying, well, why don't I put a little kitchenette in one of the larger rooms? Well, that's well, what that. we did. But it's still annoying because it still comes at a cost, doesn't it? Yes. And and you know what? If we'd have pushed back, we may have we may have won, you know, but then I'm prepared to do that and jeopardise my relationship with the council. We had an inspection yesterday. Now, most of the council officers with us, you know, we have a great relationship and I know they've got a job to do. Um, but we had this conversation about usable space in an ensuite. Now, this example, we've got a six bedroom HMO. It's got three ensuite rooms, but it's also got two communal bathrooms. So um, we're completely compliant, even if we took out two of the ensuites. But his argument was that the sink wasn't big enough for someone to have a shave in. So I said, well, there's a, there's a female that lives in that room. Um, I, I, anyway, so what are you going to do? Put a leg up on the sink? And I, I don't know. But and I said, you know, well, what, what, what elements are you, are you referring to here, you know, in, in law? And he said, well, it's part of the Housing Act. I said, no, it isn't. He said, well, it is. And I argued. I said, this is nothing to do with the Housing Act at all. There's nothing in the Housing Act that says how big a, a bathroom has to be. What it does do is link to HHSRS that says it has to be usable space. And that is based on the opinion of the person that comes out to inspect the property. Then we went into the second room and we measured one of the second rooms and it's got an alcove in it with a wardrobe. Now, counting the alcove, it's 7.51 square metres. Without the alcove, it's 6.4 square metres. So he said it's not compliant. I said, well, why isn't it compliant? He said, because that is not usable space. I said, in your opinion, I've got a wardrobe in there, therefore it's usable space. And he said, okay, then yeah, fair enough. You know, I mean, it's it's based on opinion. So sometimes you're right. You've got to push back. But I think you've got to get that balance right. So let's talk about your license and applications then, Jim. You have Can I give you a story? Yeah, sure. I brought up on that one. Brad Sugar has a great expression. If you argue with an idiot, what does that make you? Mm. So a lot of the time, I just nod my head and smile sweetly and say, put it in writing. Yeah, I'm still waiting for it to be put in writing. Yeah, I know. You, I know you're right. I know that. But sometimes and I've been, you know, I've just had £10,000 worth of license applications in the last month. Yeah. You know, I know it's not the same scale as you, but it's a lot of money. And on top of that, they all come with something. They're not all going to go through without having, you know, they've got they've got a job to do. So whether it's a thermostatic valve replacement or a window restrictor or something, they all come at an element of cost. It and does. 
it, it does. And it comes to a point where it gets a little bit silly. It comes yes. to a point where it's starting to cost money now unnecessarily. So, you know, particularly at this, you know, one of these inspections, I did, I wasn't in the best of moods anyway. And I had, mm -hmm. I said, you know what, I'm going to challenge this. And if I hadn't have challenged it, I think they would have said that you need to do X, X and X when in fact we didn't need to do it. But because I am quite well apt on the law, as you are, um, you know what, it was my ex-profession. So that kind of comes uh, as a natural for me. But if, you know, if you can go back and, and prove that you are right, then sometimes it might be the right thing to do as long as you do it professionally. As another example, I was told that a category D mains interlinked alarm system needed a weekly inspection. It doesn't. You know, and I know LACORS is only a guidance, but it doesn't need a weekly inspection. A grade A system needs one call point testing every week, but not a grade D. So we had a, a an exchange of words and eventually they said, OK, yes, you're right. But, you know, I think sometimes you do have to push back because not everybody gets it right. And I think, you know, there's a lot of gray areas in law, as you know, Jim, and until it gets a test case, then sometimes that is the only way that we can say well, what's right and what's wrong. Correct. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. Jim, we've got some questions coming up. So I'm going to um, hit over to the right-hand side here. So we'll start with the top one. So um, is there a recording of these chats? Oh, that's for me. Um, okay. So if you are looking for the back catalogue of the Cup of Tea with Rick G, all you have to do is type in hashtag Cup of Tea with Rick G on your Facebook, and it will bring you all the Cup of Teas together. So yes, there are, uh, but you'll have to search for them. Hashtag Cup of Tea with Rick G um someone's saying here it is opinion totally it is opinion folks and sometimes you know you know all of our opinions differ um and what we're doing and what jim's doing you know we are providing opportunities here for people um that, that can't get housing anywhere else or they don't want to they simply don't want to and sometimes it feels as if everyone including the media especially the media are just against us all of the time um really good to know i'm not the only one that i've had the council wanting to inspect all of mine in one go and guess what nothing much found okay thanks for that comment someone else here saying wow jim quoting scriptures while explaining hmos i love it it's a great property manual i use it daily fantastic <laughs> so jim in terms of your portfolio then let's talk about the structure of your of your management team so you've got how many tenants a thousand and 64 Right, that is a lot, and I don't want to get that big, you know. Respectfully, um, no, no, I, I, I absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's we we haven't got anywhere near that, you know. Um, I'm comfortable with the level of tenants that we've got, providers with a good living, good income, etc. Uh, we might just go a little bit more. So, where, how do you manage your business? I mean, how much time do you spend in it? I know you've got a lot of staff. I know you don't just do property. You've got your, you know, your training aspect as well. But in terms of your property portfolio. What? How many hours a day would you say you put into it yourself? Uh, well, uh, it's difficult to say um, because uh, how much do I need to? It's a business and I've delegated it to various managers. So I don't really need to do anything. I could right. go off and have a few holidays. It's only if I want to buy some more properties or change the direction and improve it uh, they, my staff would say differently, I'd interfere and get in the way. But if I wanted to make any changes, but the business doesn't need me. It's That's the beauty of having staff. You right. set it up right, you've got the managers, they do it all for you. Uh, it's acquiring property, it takes time. And I spend a lot of time doing training, helping other landlords because I love it. So uh, I, I'm a very spoiled boy in as much as I do really what I want to do. So right. I, I don't distinguish between work and 
this this is me this is my life uh, i come to uh, i don't feel i come to work uh, i've got the cat and i've got the dog here uh, i have to fi make sure my staff do the work but to me i'm just swanning around having a great time uh, I do uh, training like Saturday. I'm going to be training. Last Saturday I was doing training. I think I'm training every Saturday uh, this, uh, 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 going forward to Christmas. I do it because I love doing it. And that takes a lot of time. Uh, and I wake up. First thing I do is when I wake up, which is usually any time between about 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. in the morning, I start. I start you working. wake up at 1 a.m. in the morning. What time do you go yeah. to bed? Uh, I go to bed when I feel like it. Again, I do most things. Uh, if I, I go to bed about nine o'clock, ten o'clock. Depends if you I don't, don't watch sleep, television. I, I sleep well. Yeah. The trouble is then I wake up and I've got buzzing with ideas. So I start work. Well, what people call work, I write articles. Um, I deal with correspondence. Something's um, uh, going around my head. So I just get up, wake up, and start working. And I do between one and uh, six hours work before I even get out of bed. Uh, in bed. Uh, and then I come into the office and then the off the day disappears. Uh, when I'm in the office, yeah. people talk to me, bother me. Uh, they actually stop me having a nap uh, and that keeps me awake most of the day. Uh, and then I go home, have a uh, uh, have dinner and then go to sleep unless I'm doing some talking uh, or events uh, and then it changes. So to me, I don't. I, uh, I don't consider myself work. But then again, for a lecture, it's the same. I used yeah. to love lecturing. I, it was a great uh, fun. Uh, you got paid for doing what you wanted to do. It was great, uh, great fun, and I enjoyed that. What uh, did you lecture in, Jim? Just remind me. Polyfilling. Polyfilling? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is, trouble is, is like Jim. <laughs> Go on. Jim will fix it. They just stuff me in all the cracks <laughs> in the timetable. <laughs> Like, oh, dear, you don't want that title, really, do you? I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Law is my main subject, but right. oh, really? uh, okay, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I did. But law, after a period of time, you're just doing the same thing. Everyone thinks law moves forward. It's not. You're teaching the same stuff. I could go back in the classroom. I haven't been in the classroom for about ten years and repeat my same lectures. Very little would have changed uh, at that level. Uh, and the, so you get a bit bored. So it was interesting doing other subjects and getting wider experience. And it keeps you on your toes. I, and I enjoyed it. A lot of people didn't. It's what you enjoy. And I, I felt it also would uh, help me uh, imp improve my chances for promotion and job opportunity to be able to teach uh, a lot more subjects than just one law. So end up, I think, uh, with about 12 subjects on my CV by the time I uh, finished lecturing uh, and went into uh, business. But one property replaced my salary. I mean, that's the darkest. That's the power of it, isn't it? And you can still do that now, you know? I mean, people looking at this saying, this is all good and well doing it, 1990, 1991. You can still do it now, you know? People are still doing this now. It's absolutely possible. Jim, let's talk about, you know, the HMO Daddy. Where did that name come from? HMO Daddy, I've, I'm embarrassed to say I forgot his name. He'll probably hopefully be watching this and he'll tell me. Uh, he was helping Ranjan Bakatari on one of his courses, a lovely lad. And he said, because uh, I'm not really good at marketing. And he said, you've got to uh, have an image, Jim. And I've got the name for you, HMO Daddy. Uh, and that's where it came from. It's uh, His name is a, he's about six foot six, big lad, Asian lad, lovely lad. Uh, who helped help Ranjan in the early days. We're going back to about 2000, uh, 
uh, and probably around about 2004, I should guess. Uh, and he gave me the name. And unfortunately, if I thought about it for any length of time, and this is someone who used to be in the Merchant Navy. I'm sorry, I'm going to be crude again. Uh, <laughs> you know what, what the sailors are supposed to be? <laughs> uh, are supposed to be HMO, Homo Daddy. Uh, my website got enormous amounts, amounts of hits. And I thought that was very successful uh, until I sort of clicked what that could, uh, the association could be. Uh, but anyway, I can't change it now. Uh, I'm calling myself HMO Daddy. Uh, so when, are you going to are you going to get promoted to I don't know HMO Granddaddy at one point? I don't know. Are you at that level yet? Am I going to be Granddaddy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm too young to be a Granddaddy. Uh, so uh, no, possibly. Uh, it's going to You're going to carry on with your HMO Daddy. I shall carry on doing the HMOs uh, until I can think of anything better to do that I enjoy doing. <laughs> Jim, what drives you then? I mean, certainly at the moment, you 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 saying you haven't got an exit plan. Um, what what is driving you? What's your motivation to carry on doing this? I mean, you are super successful. You don't need to do anymore, but yet you're saying you don't have an exit plan. Correct, um, because it's fun. I mean, you ask a, a footballer and say to them, um, you, you, "It's three hours on a football pitch. Hang on a minute. Would you like to only do half an hour?" They go, sorry, I want to play the whole game. And to me, I do what I enjoy doing, as I said. So to me, it's not work. There are problems, there are challenges, mm. and you've got to learn to uh, deal with these, uh, the stupidity of councils, the uh, problems with uh, that. But overall, I enjoy it, and there is no – you don't look upon it as a job. To me, it is um, – I can't remember um, – not a profession, a – uh, calling almost, if you want to put it that way. And I shall carry on doing it for as long as I like and help other people to do the same thing. I just love talking about the property. This is not work for me. I'm having a great time talking to you now. Managing tenants, you know, managing tenants, you've got 1,060 plus tenants. You know, moving forwards, are you are you comfortable still having that level of tie as, as, as you grow older? Uh, well, as I said, I've delegated to other people. Uh, I don't have to do it. Uh, my staff would very much like me not to do it because I keep sticking my nose in as far as they're concerned and dabbling uh, and getting involved because I still will do a little bit when I uh, when I feel like it. Uh, but most of the time I'm off dealing with other aspects of the business. Uh, there's a lot of um, problems that arise from uh, running a property business uh, and I enjoy the challenge. It's probably what keeps me so young. I mean, you couldn't believe it. It's admirable, you know, you are still doing this and you are helping so many people, not just tenants, but obviously other people in the property industry as well. If you could have done anything differently, Jim, I mean, you've got a load of experience, more than anyone I know in this industry. What would you have done differently? Uh, I would have done it if I could have done it. Uh, yeah, difficult one there. You floored me with that question. What would I have done differently? Uh Catch me on a different day, uh, I would probably give you a different answer. Mm. Uh, sometimes I want to go back to being small okay. and just run it all myself. Uh, other times I wish um, I'd been bigger and been a lot more um, calculating about it, except I'm not quite sure how I'd be able to be calculating about this business because so many of the deals you do 
turn out well. I, I, even today, I can't really with any great certainty say that deal will be a moneymaker and this one won't. You do it uh, and uh, something starts off as a, uh, a lead balloon and then it, it becomes good and something starts off good and becomes bad uh, and some things just carry on. Uh, it, it's very hard to be, uh, to be exact in this business and people find that uh, disconcerting. They think I should know it all and you don't. You're, you're uh, to a certain extent working in the unknown. So I could tell you a property will work well uh, if you put it in the town centre, that generally always work well there. But I could get a property in the middle of nowhere and that could work even better. But I can't guarantee it. It may or it may not. So you can tell what props generally will work, but you can't tell what won't work. It's a, a funny business. And letting the type of tenants you have. Uh, no one wants housing benefit tenants. Yeah, I say some of my best tenants and my worst tenants are housing benefit tenants because you get a tenant. Uh, if you get the right one, they stay for, for life, their life. Never complain. And you're just paid by housing benefit and the money just rolls in. No, no complaints. Very little maintenance. You have to insist on maintaining the property um, and no turnover. Jim, is it OK if we go to uh, uh, Rubina? Rubina saying hi back after a knee up, both knees and recovering. So I don't know. Do you know Rubina, Jim? Is she one of yours? No, I don't oh, know. Hi, Rubina. <laughs> OK, I hope you get better soon, Rubina. <laughs> Um, Jim, we've got a question here. For someone starting out on their HMO journey, what are your thoughts on the rent-to-rent model versus purchasing? Well, I always say rent-to-rent uh, -rent is for Muppets. You want rent to buy. The long-term value in property is the capital appreciation. So don't go for rent-to-rent. -rent. If you're doing a deal, try and have the right to buy the property tied in. And it's just an additional question you ask additional term in the contract have you got the right to buy the property set the price in the contract so if when i run a rent to rent course we give you the contracts and it just by asking that one question you could make yourself uh, fabulously wealthy by the ability to buy the property and get the capital appreciation so yes it's a good uh, model to try um, i prefer the commercial to residential uh, is probably more my uh, strategy um, but rent to rent, yep, it works and it's good. Jim, um, you you do lots of ensuite rooms, I think, don't you? Now there's lots of yes. talk in some of the the Facebook groups about ensuite and council tax and some areas charging single banding, some are not. Are you seeing any of this at the moment in your area? Yeah, um, the councils is a massive change. There's been more change in the last two years in this business than. There has been in the 27, 28 years I've been in the business. So th that gives you an idea. Two years totally outweighs. There's 10 times as more change happened in the last two years. And yes, they're going to council. Uh, they're talking about council taxing, individual rooms, uh, uh, increased planning activity around using uh, ensuite rooms. My, my concern is what does the tenant want? And even if the council tax it, if it's the demand from your tenant, they'll pay for it. A lot of these black clouds in the business, uh, a lot of the times when council officers ask you to do stupid things, afterwards you think, well, I'm glad I, they pushed me into that and do, do that. And I'm glad I didn't resist it because 
now I can do X, Y, or Z, or it's it's got me around this particular problem. So, uh, a certain extent, there's almost a, a fate to the whole uh, the whole thing. And I'm everything I've seen so far starts off as a black cloud, and then has a silver lining. And, yeah. uh, and you I, know I'm, what I, I about some of them now, but whether that will continue, I don't know. Uh, I mean, but it has been. We always focus on the things that we can't control. And at the end of the day, if this if it happens, it happens. And I tell everybody, look, you know, go into this with the expectation that you will be singly banded. You might not be, but if you go in with the expectation that you will, then there won't be any surprises, you know. And uh, we've got a very mixed portfolio with single banding and not. But the ones that are singly banded, the tenants pay their council tax, they get their single person living allowance, they get their reduction. Everyone's happy. It doesn't cause us any problems at all. So, Jim, I've got one more question for you. Um, we see a lot of what we call them now co-living, is it? Co-living spaces, you know, these really big boutique type almost five-star hotel looking HMOs, they're popping up now at the moment. They seem to be all over social media. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's the way forward? Uh, I suppose I've got to. Uh, I'm one of the culprits. I've got a 220 bed uh, co-living uh, property in Wolverhampton. Uh, okay. Last uh, Saturday, we did a tour of it. You could come up and have a look at it. In fact, if you want to come and um, meet Rick and myself, I mean, Man we're in Manchester on Saturday. Uh, yeah. We're doing a course. So go, if you go on my website or contact Rick and you can find out where it is, the Holiday Inn in Manchester. We're there all day. Uh, and uh, going back, sorry, the co-living bit. Yes, I, I've done that. It, it's a bit of a strange thing. Um, and I find it a bit odd because if you do co-living, you're not an HMO anymore. So all these rules don't apply to you. <laughs> and um, how far it will go, I don't know. Um, you'd get more money. You charge more rent than you would do for an HMO. And to a certain extent, uh, in London, they're giving smaller rooms. So you've got co-living properties in London, which provide rooms half the size of an HMO down the road, charge twice as much just because they've got these lovely um, restaurants or uh, coffee bars or uh, gyms in the property. It, it's something, maybe it's the new look. I don't know. Uh, I'm doing it. It's working so far. Uh, we've got up to uh, nearly 60 rooms in the HMO, uh, sorry, the co-living uh, property we've got, we're going through the tire. It will be 220 when we finish, and it's working very well so far. Right. Um, so maybe that's the way forward. Just as when I, back in uh, 2000, I started doing studios, and people said, well, why would you do that? The, the Previous to that, it was always the shared room. Um, it, why bother with doing anything? People are quite happy with threadbare carpets, uh, a blanket hung over the window, sharing a very dilapidated bathroom. That's where the old HMO was. I wanted mm. to have the uh, five star, four, five star deluxe uh, ensuite rooms, and that works. But everything lets. This is the great thing about uh, the business. Um, it seems to work. And the other strange yeah, thing yeah. is the co living it, it's, it's a step in the dark. It's, it's only been going around for about two or three years. There's no marketing to say that will actually work and how far it will work. You meet some people who do co-living and they say HMOs are dead. It'll all be co-living. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, in terms of that, you know, HMOs are dead. There's market saturated, et cetera. We hear that all the time. And at the end of the day, 
you've got to move with the times. Bye-bye. So, folks, that's the end of today's Cup of Tea with Rick G. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have Jim on board. Um, we have a couple of gremlins on the internet today. I think that's come from my side. We've not got a cup of tea tomorrow because I'm running my own course tomorrow for my office, and we don't do Fridays. So if you're looking for the back catalogue of Cup of Tea with Rick G, just type in hashtag Cup of Tea with Rick G. You can watch all of these again. This interview with Jim will be pinned to the top of the HMO page today, uh, so you can watch it as much as you need to. And if you need to contact Jim about Saturday's programme, Saturday's course, then just tag him in below and Jim can let you know all of those details. If you want to come and meet me and Jim in person, we'll both be at the Holiday Inn in Manchester on Saturday. Folks, until then, have an absolutely awesome day. Thank you, Jim. Go Tenant, the revolutionary new property software built by landlords and trusted by tenants. GoTenants is your one-stop property management assistant that will take the pain away from your tenant recruitment process and the management of your properties. From advertising your property to maintenance reporting, electronic signatures to full property management software. Stop worrying about double bookings and the hassle of unnecessary admin because GoTenants is here to enable you to seamlessly run your portfolio from anywhere in the world. Go to gotenants.co.uk to find out more.